the zealous use of, of Narcan is causing more problems and certainly affecting more people than those who would typically benefit from it. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Federal Resources Studio. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. Narcan has been pitched as the best way to deal with an opioid overdose. And while it does work, it's now being overused and sometimes misused. Some EMS providers and cops are administering it just in case, even if they aren't sure they're treating an opioid overdose. But Narcan has a lot of nasty effects on the patient, and my guest today says EMS providers rarely need to use it at all. Dr. Brian Bledsoe is a professor of emergency medicine at the UNLV School of Medicine. He also routinely works the emergency department at the University Medical Center in Las Vegas. He's board certified in both emergency medicine and EMS. And Brian Bledsoe joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Well, Narcan has been hailed as an effective way to save heroin OD patients. What does it do specifically that makes it so effective? Well, actually, if you look at the chemical structure of Narcan, it's very similar to that of the to traditional opiates, such as morphine and, and so on. However, when it binds to the opiate receptors, of which there are different five different classes, instead of stimulating them, it simply blocks them. And so people who have taken opiates can be administered Narcan and other drugs in that class and it will actually knock the opioid off the receptor, reversing the effects. And, and, of course, the effect that we're going for is the reversal of the depression and respirations, but it also, you know, system-wide uh, reverses all the opioid uh, effects, both pleasant and unpleasant. So you've said that paramedics don't necessarily even need to be using Narcan. Is that because they can achieve a lot of the same result with a proper airway? Well, that's a lot of it. I've never said they shouldn't be using it. I, I think it's just vastly overused, and it's used indiscriminately. You know, Narcan is not as innocuous as people think. Certainly, most patients don't have any ill effects from it, but two things can occur. People who are opiate-dependent can be placed in or, or moved into full-blown opiate withdrawal, which is not only pretty uncomfortable for the patient, but also for the provider because of the horrible uh, signs and symptoms that patient exhibits, running nose, sneezing, vomiting, diarrhea that is indescribable. They get agitated. They get combative, and sometimes they actually injure 
the, the, the pre-hospital provider. Also, uh, in certain patients, although not common, it can cause a non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. And so it's just not as innocuous as, as people think. And, and, and certainly the opiate crisis is a national emergency. It's almost an international emergency. And, and certainly we're on the forefront of that in Las Vegas. Uh, but the zealous use of, of Narcan is causing more problems and certainly affecting more people than those who would typically benefit from it. What happens if Narcan is administered to a patient who has an OD on something other than an opioid or maybe hasn't even overdosed at all? Generally nothing, you know, other than giving the provider, you know, a, a false sense of security. In fact, looking at, at the practice in Las Vegas where certainly people like to come out there and party, you know, and drugs are very common, most overdoses that we see that end up in the emergency department are, as you say, they're actually multi-substance, people taking opiates with uh, uh, marijuana or with alcohol or with benzodiazepines uh, or even with, with some of the stimulants such as ecstasy or, or methamphetamine. So, you know, it's, I, I think the, the incidence of these, the, the opiate heroin addict um, who overdoses is not as common as people think. Likewise, when, when you see pill overdoses, people may have, you know, an opiate in, in the prescription batch of which they've overdosed, but usually there's something else, such as a, a benzodiazepine or, or sleeping pill or something of that nature. Some providers are using Narcan to punish people they believe have had an OD or at a minimum are using it in such a way that they say they don't really care what the result is because the person is a drug user. Have you heard of this and how do you react? Well, I've heard of it and I've seen it. I, I've been in EMS uh, 40 years. I started you know, as a paramedic and firefighter and, and went on up into the, the medical side of it. And it, it seems to be a, a trend of the last 10 years where initially Narcan was was used reasonably, but now with the opiate epidemic and this this mass hysteria that's going on about this this you know mysterious and non-existent fentanyl skin exposure issue, particularly in law enforcement, it, it's just gone nuts. And and you know you see some comments that are surprising, like I'm going to give him Narcan because I don't want to carry him down three flights of stairs along the walk. Or you know you you saw. I saw some comments where, you know, they are addicts. They should be punished. And, you know, I'm going to be the one to do it by putting them in a full-blown opiate withdrawal. And, and, and that's just not ethical. I mean, oh, you know, these, these patients can be difficult to deal with, but they have a disease. They have a disease called addiction. And it may be opiates. It may be alcohol. It could be benzodiazepines. It could be a lot of things. And, and it's multifactorial. And the treatment is complicated in the long term. Simply giving them a dose of Narcan to make them feel bad is not going to be long remembered, and it's certainly not going to place the fire service or the EMS provider in a good light. I'll be back with more right after this. Federal Resources is a mission-critical solutions provider with only one goal, to empower and prepare the first responder for any threat, at home or abroad, that they are called on to respond to. Your mission is to protect and defend. 
Our mission is to make sure you're equipped with the knowledge and training on response techniques to current threats. We'll make sure you know the latest innovations in technology to ensure mission success every time. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. You mentioned a phrase I was actually going to use, which is hysteria over fentanyl. And although I think it's become better known among EMS providers that it's not something that you react to through skin contact, I think you're right in that police do still believe that it's something to be afraid of. With that in mind, are police administering it to each other unnecessarily? Absolutely, and administering it to themselves. There was a case up in Massachusetts where an officer administered it to himself. If you're if you've had an overdose and you're well enough to administer Narcan to yourself, you don't need it. <laughs> um, you know, and there's there's a classic case out of Ohio where an officer gets sick after arresting some people who were doing methamphetamine that they, you know, were calling ICER, which is the slang for the name ICE. And ended up getting Narcan, which has absolutely no effect on amphetamines, yet they got better. So it is a mass hysteria. And the Centers for Disease Control and the American College of Emergency Physicians have all put out statements about this. But, you know, it, it, it makes such a good news story in this day and age that the media jumps on it. And, you know, my question is, well, how come we don't hear stories of people in in the Philippines and China who make this fentanyl dying from exposure from it. They're going to see a lot greater quantities than we're going to see here in the United States, yet, you know, they put a mask on. That's it. They don't even wear gloves a lot of times during the manufacturing process. So it how it got established in this country as a condition is beyond me, but it's an urban legend. It's, it's pure myth. So how often in your emergency department experience do you use Narcan? I really can't think of the last time I used it. Some of it may be very specific to Las Vegas. And I'm at the public hospital, so we get the the worst of the worst. Right. You Uh, see a lot of OD cases, I would assume. Yeah, we do. And and it's never easy. We just don't see the... The heroin addict who overdoses and, and has stopped breathing, by that time, you know, the fire department or, or the private EMS provider has administered Narcan in the field. Uh, what we tend to see are these these overdoses where there's several substances involved. But, you know, I do, unlike kind of what people believe after reading the article, there is a role for it, but not the, the two to four milligram doses that they're giving. What I will do with it is... Um, take, you know, two milligrams and put it in a nebulizer like you would use to uh, give a breathing treatment to a patient. And we'll put it on the patient and um, and let them inhale it. And as soon as they start to uh, increase their breathing rate and become a little more alert, then we'll take it off. That way they don't become combative. They don't go into all the opiate withdrawal symptoms. And it's just a way to titrate it. If it's to be used, and there certainly is a role for it, it is to be used in a very judicious dose in, in small doses until you reverse respirations. You don't want to slam two to four milligrams and put them in full-blown withdrawal because providers have gotten hurt, and then the side effects uh, uh, can actually 
potentially take hours to clean the ambulance afterwards, and it's not pleasant for anybody. Do you feel that that your technique of titrating it and watching carefully is something that's practical to use in the field, and should EMS providers be doing it that way? Well, the, the nebulizer thing works well, and there, there was an article or two on using that and actually discussed it with our pharmacists in the emergency department. I think that, that paramedics have all the tools they need to, to give it judiciously, and the most important two tools are going to be the, the capnography reading on the, on the monitor as well, but to a lesser extent, the, the uh, oxygen saturation. So potential overdose or documented overdose, they come from a place where heroin's all around or, you know, the only bottles found are uh, opiates. Yeah, you can give a, a small dose, but just enough to, to assure that the respirations are adequate. That is maintaining the uh, capnography reading, you know, at the, at the appropriate level and assuring they don't become hypoxic. And in it... You know, the half-life of Narcan is not real long, and it may need to be repeated, but giving small doses until you get the desired effect is the way to go without just slamming in the whole vial of it and causing pulmonary edema or, or withdrawal, opiate withdrawal phenomena. And how much longer does it take to do it to treat the patient that way than to just slam it in? No, it doesn't take any longer. It just takes better decision-making, and, and and talking to experienced paramedics and firefighters who are, who are doing this, a lot of them have kind of learned their lesson, They, uh, especially in, in some of the inner-city areas where they've been hit or they've been swung at, and they learn now that, you know, the role of this drug is just for these small number of cases they're going to encounter where respirations have improved, I, will, will, have, have, will improve with the, the drug. Interestingly, um, you know, I'm from Texas, and, and one of the ambulance services in Texas actually started looking at the cost of Narcan and the amount uh, of Narcan that was actually being needed, and they decided not to stock it uh, on, the, uh, on the ambulances. While I think that may be specific to certain parts of the country, the, the cost of this drug has gotten astronomical as soon as the media started carrying these stories about cops overdosing and, and all this fentanyl exposure hysteria. And so it's it's becoming a, a cost issue as well. It's just like the EpiPens. Soon as big pharma can uh, find a way to make a profit on it, regardless of the benefit to society, they're going to do it. And we're seeing that with, with Narcan now. It sounds to me as though you're suggesting, at least obliquely, that police officers probably should not be carrying Narcan and administering it. True? I I uh, have to qualify. I think it's okay to carry it, but I think they're inadequately or improperly trained as when to use it. I many years ago, I was I was riding with the paramedics in Sydney, Australia, and down there. They've had Narcan in the areas where, you know, they call them shooting galleries, where they're, they're known to be using opiates and actually made it available to the addicts uh, in case it was needed. And, and as well, the, the, the police in New South Wales were trained in the use of it, but much more in line with, with the, the, the protocol the, the, that we use medically. But the problem is they want this drug in auto-injectors like the EpiPen. And really, it's very difficult or much more expensive to have the auto-injectors with an adjustable dose. So 
the it's going to come down more, I think, to the the education and training, and certainly the use of the nasal Narcan once it comes off patent and, and less expensive is probably going to be the answer to a lot of this because there's not much difference between dripping a couple of drops of of Narcan in the nose versus what I do by putting it in a small volume nebulizer and administering to the patient by inhalation. All right, Dr. Brian Bledsoe, thanks for talking with us today on Code 3. Thank you, Scott. And we've put some more information about using and misusing Narcan on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash Narcan. Check it out. Here comes your trivia question. What is Hennebert's sign and what condition does it indicate? I'll have the answer right after this. Ever notice that Scott always tells you that you can get a guest's book at our website, Code3Podcast.com? That's because we have links to order their books from Amazon on the episode's show notes pages. It makes it easy for you to get the books, and it helps support Code3. When you buy Amazon through our website, we get a small cut too, and it doesn't cost you any more to order through us. Plus, there are other firefighter-related products there too. Take a look at Code3Podcast.com. Now, here's your trivia answer. Hennebert's sign is when pressure on the tympanic membrane causes a nystagmus on the same side. It suggests labyrinthitis. But you knew that, right? All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Love to hear what you think of the show. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I hope you'll join me then. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.